0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the newest edition of the Justin Time Sports Podcast. I am your host, Justin Jackson, and in this week's episode, we will be talking about what's going down in the NFL this past couple of weeks. We will have Jack's Pack, our NFL betting segment. We will talk about a rapidly approaching NBA season. We will also touch on a huge weekend in college football, and we will have our best for last. Now, remember, you can find the show on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And remember, follow the Twitter page, at jtimesports, for breaking news, show updates, and general coverage around the sporting world. Now, I hope you guys sit back and get ready to learn something. Alrighty, guys, and welcome into a absolutely loaded show. I know I've said that the past couple of weeks, But if you've been following along with the show closely You know I have been telling the absolute truth These shows have been getting jam-packed It's been absolutely going nuts I've been having to make myself take a break To get in a little break time in between So you guys can process information And be ready to roll for the next segment And we've got another loaded one this week Uh, What a great game we had last night With the Raiders and the Chargers to culminate A full calendar week of amazing football and a bunch of madness on Monday In terms of what happened on Sunday, the madness of the Monday night game So we're going to start off with a Thursday night game just last night Between the Raiders and the Chargers, what a contest Uh, Two teams with no incentive to lose, which is always something you want late in the season A lot of times, you know, if you're a Jets fan or a Jaguars fan or Cowboys fan even You're rooting, man, we need to get a better draft pick. Let's just keep losing games to stay where we are in the draft. Bengals as well. The Raiders and the Chargers, neither one had incentive to lose lose for different reasons. For the Chargers, their incentive not to lose was their head coach. Anthony Lynn is definitely on the hot seat He's been criticized for the past few years In terms of game management Or clock management rather uh, We saw it come to fruition a little bit At the end of the game When it came to the overtime period By him not waiting a few seconds To call a timeout I mean what if you get down to a situation Where you're trying to kick a field goal to tie And you need 10 more seconds To get in field goal range Or if you had 10 more seconds You might try another play to even you can get in the end zone Then try the field goal then you might need those second backs. Thankfully he didn't, but it's something where, you know, those clock management issues definitely reared their head in that moment. And for the Raiders, it's clearly trying to push for a playoff spot. Um, losing last night. All but ended their playoff chances. I mean, nine and seven. I just don't think it's gonna get it done in the AFC this year. Or if it does, they're gonna lose a couple tiebreakers, and it's just it's just gonna be a rough experience for the Vegas Raiders this year. Especially starting off what they start off six and two, six and three, beating the Chiefs, taking a victory lap. They were the toast of the NBA crown and NFL crown rather, and now they probably won't make the playoffs. So the next time we'll see the Vegas Raiders on the field. Hopefully COVID will be taken care of and we can fill up that beautiful stadium, Allegiant Stadium in Vegas. But speaking about the game, um, hopefully Derek Carr is okay. He pulled up lame uh, early in the game with a left groin. They're calling it a strain. They're not saying it's torn. They're not saying it's popped. But uh, they're calling it a strain right now, which inserted Marcus Mariota. Huge. Marcus Mariota, um, we know, was the backup for the Vegas Raiders. He was brought there i believe on a two-year 17 million dollar contract but he has a few incentives you know if he plays and get a win so many yards so many stats stuff like that which is typical for a backup quarterback he came in and played well a lot better than the last time we've seen him in tennessee he looks healthy He ran for 88 yards, he threw for another 130, Uh, he got a touchdown or two on a beautiful pass to Darren Waller. He clearly led the team down the field by his threat of the outside run game on the read option. It created holes for Josh Jacobs through the middle because he wasn't getting anything through the middle at first with Derek Carr at quarterback. But as soon as Marcus Mayota, every run action became a read option mesh type run. Immediately, Josh Jacobs started picking up more yards per carry when Marcus Mariota entered the game. Darren Waller didn't have a catch. All of a sudden, he had a big game with Marcus behind quarterback. And you can tell the energy of the team picked up once Marcus ran, ran them down the field and got a touchdown. You can tell the team really, especially the offense, started to get up, started to really go at the Chargers. But the Chargers said no. No. Specifically Justin Herbert said no. That kid is legit. Six foot six, mobile. We already know he's a genius having a four point something GPA all through college while starting while he was at Oregon. We already know about his repertoire in terms of his arm strength but his composure last night was great. He now has back to back weeks of game winning drives. He Stuck his giant body over the end zone Twice in overtime Uh, They called the first one back because he fumbled forward That would have been a touchdown any other time of the game But it wasn't And then they just said forget it just try it again And he got in that time You heard him saying I got in I got in And and then you flash right to remember he's like a 22 year old uh, Trying to Lead a franchise a billion dollar enterprise To the playoffs And to success so Chargers fan, rejoice you have your quarterback Um, If you're the Raiders Better luck next year. You've got a good foundation. Mayock seems to know what he's doing. Drafting. Gruden's obviously a good coach. The players love him. So better luck next year. You're in a hell of a division with the Chiefs and the Chargers who already have better rosters than you. And the Chargers can end up with the fourth pick in the draft. Draft Panay Sue out of Oregon, who's Justin Herbert's old left tackle. And now they have a complete roster from top to bottom with no holes in it when they are healthy. But shifting games to the Monday night extravaganza um what was i my brain doesn't quite process what i saw like i saw the game i remember seeing the game i watched it all the way through and nothing about that game made sense to me that was an absolute show between baker mayfield and lamar jackson those two went back and forth. We had a possible cramping issue that, uh, that the NFL enjoyed and took their time and meaned, saying that Lamar may have had to go to the bathroom. Uh, we had a fourth and five conversion. We had a Lamar Jackson who looked like MVP Lamar or most of MVP Lamar Monday night for the first time pretty much all season. He was effective running the ball. He broke the Monday night football record for rushing yards by a quarterback. And his arm, he missed a couple of throws. And Lamar, is just it's a mechanical issue. That that motion is not reliable. It's like um, in college basketball when we were talking about Alonzo Ball's jumper. And Lamar's response was, well, it's going in. And there's a situation where, no, but that shot, it's a hard to repeat motion. So if you make it move anywhere like it doesn't want to move you're gonna miss. And we see when Lonzo got to the NBA, he started missing. Well, Lamar was like a 60-something percent passer in college. It was was a pretty efficient thing, but his legs were so amazing, you kinda, okay, you're not the best thrower on the planet, we'll figure it out. But that's why he was a a second day prospect due to his arm talent not being there. And it reared its ugly head on Monday night for the most of the game. He had 80 yards for three and a half quarters. And then he made two plays only he can make. (laughs) He threw a beautiful pass to Hollywood Browns, scrambling around, fresh off the cramps that he said could be COVID-related. Fresh off the cramps, throws a beautiful pass to him, and then absolutely burns the rest of the Browns to the end zone on the very next play. Touchdown, Ravens are up. And Lamar had a great day. Baker answered everything he did. That was Baker's best game. That was Baker's best game. I know people say the Tennessee game was a great game. That was a great half. He was amazing for the first half of the, uh, of the Tennessee Titans game. Absolutely amazing in the first half. Baker did great. But in the second half, I don't know if it was game plan. I don't know if it was execution. I don't know what the situation was. But he did not have a great second half. Against the Ravens, he had a great game. Now he started off slow, had a bad interception where the linebacker jumped under the route early and Baker tried to gun it past him, it didn't work. The linebacker one-handed intercepted it, great pick. Uh, usually they don't intercept, Use the bat down, and he's okay, we'll live. But he, the Ravens linebacker intercepted it. But it was a great game from Baker, especially in that second half. He led the Browns back, every time it looked like, man, Ravens about to get away with this one. He came back and scored another touchdown That was huge I think for the confidence Of the Browns they're going to be a playoff team this year And so when you need to instill That kind of confidence in a unit And behind their leader that was great To see and that was great For Baker to have Um, Do I think That Baker is the long term Answer in Cleveland I don't know Um, Because when you Pay him You're going to have to peel off some of those weapons That are making him look comfortable You can't have two all-pro receivers Two great tackles Two great running backs Two great defensive ends Their secondary isn't great right now because it's injured Uh, Two great running backs With Baker making $35 million a year This is simple facts And I feel that way about Lamar Jackson Lamar Jackson We know he has a throwing problem We, We know that for a matter of fact It's not even a situation where we have to guess at you know Lamar's situation he's not a great thrower of the football well if you peel off and you pay him 35 million dollars a year you could ha- be in a situation where now you're even less talented now on the defensive side of the ball so what do you do when you have to start resigning players your window may be 18 to 36 months with Lamar if I'm Baltimore brass, I consider, I'm not saying I necessarily do, but I consider trading Lamar Jackson for a big pack. it would have to be something huge. Like you're not going to just take a top-level quarterback like that for nothing. But I would consider, I would ponder trading Lamar Jackson. So if a team offered me two firsts in the same class, one of them being top seven, Three seconds and a third Lamar Jackson will no longer be a Raven Because I can put all those Pieces on the team Using one of those pieces to get a quarterback And now we start the process over again and see what that quarterback Can do So that is something I would look into If I were the Ravens I wouldn't necessarily do it, but i definitely consider it Speaking of a quarterback That may be a short term answer, not a long term Jalen Hurts debuted For the Eagles against the Saints Um, That was part of the madness this weekend I don't know what the Saints I mean, they they must not practice Against Taysom Hill Because pretty much Jalen Hurts looked a lot Like Taysom Hill If the first read wasn't there, he was running He's tough, so he took a shot To the chest And they called roughing the passer on And still got a beautiful back Shoulder throw to Alshon Jeffrey On Marshawn Lattimore I'm not sure what defensively the Saints were doing They let him get out the window and run a lot They allowed 200 yard rushers Because the pressure of Jalen Hurts running on the outside Moved people out of the middle Now most of Miles Sanders came on one run It was a 78 yard run where 82 yard run. Sorry, He hit his head on the goal post Because one of the Saints linebackers Either Demario Davis or Quan Alexander Tried to backdoor it Of course Miles Sanders is fast So he just front door it where, he, where the linebacker was supposed to be and he just hit his head on the goalpost. So a lot of his yards came on one run. But Jalen Hurts was getting 8, 10, 12, 8, 8, 10 on runs. And this kept repeatedly gashing the Saints defense on scrambles, usually not necessarily designed runs. Um, but the Saints defense wasn't prepared. Uh, they didn't seem to be ready to go for him. They played him like a pocket passer, which, I mean, have you seen Jalen Hurts' film ever? I wouldn't necessarily treat him as a pocket passer. And so that was interesting to see, but good job on Jalen Hurts on performing well in his first start. Um, That gives, obviously, a QB controversy for Carson Wentz. I mean, it's already there, but now it elevates it because Hurts played well. But Hurts get the opportunity to play Arizona this week, in which we'll talk about that game a little later. Um, Shifting to Bills and Steelers. That was a huge game. Because the Steelers could have erased a lot of doubt in a lot of people's minds by beating the Bills. Sunday night football, prime time. Let's see this. Let's see what everybody's got to see. The Steelers sways. no doubts. None. Like, the doubts got louder. The receivers were dropping passes, you still can't run the ball, your defense started to crack, and Ben's looking old and old about the game now he's even doing that Ben thing where he co- talks about retirement openly it's, the, it's a very Ben like thing I think it's an ego stroke where he wants to get people to say oh no Ben we don't leave us you know you're still playing well it's not your fault Ben it, it's people around you it, it's not you he's doing that thing again I, I know I mean I guess it'll work for Pittsburgh they've been dealing with it for the past few years now obviously so hey well I have to see how that works for Pittsburgh in regards to Buffalo, you have a Super Bowl contender For the first time since you went to four in a row Congratulations Buffalo, it's been a long time You have a good, not great quarterback, Josh Allen Again, I would be worrisome to him, paying him $35 million A year plus Because what happens when you lose some of those weapons and defense around him Or his offensive coordinator, is going to be a head coach very soon So uh, you have a good, not great quarterback. You have a good, not great defense. You're, you mean you have a pretty good team. They're scrapping. They are fighting for everything. And the Bills are a Super Bowl contender right now. Do they think they could beat the Chiefs? No. Quarterback on quarterback is not even close. Uh, coach on coach, same. Roster on roster, I would lean the Chiefs. So I don't think they could beat the Chiefs right this second. But let's say the Chiefs have an off game, get caught by somebody else, or the Chiefs come into the Bills game have a bad game. You know, we just saw Mahomes uh, in, the, in the Dolphins game Throw three interceptions, get sacked for 30 yards They had a fumble somewhere in there So, if that game like that Happens against the Bills, I think the Bills can beat them By, you know, a couple touchdowns They can, and Chiefs show up a little sloppy against the Bills And they could win, but a game on a game The Chiefs to win by 14, in my opinion And so... They would have to figure that out But the Bills you are definitely at worst The second best team in the AFC A top 5 team in the NFL And that is huge For Bills Mafia and Josh Allen Now we're going to quickly touch on the MVP race before we take a little break um, The it's It's a Clear two headed horse With Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes Both of their numbers are absurd And both of their records are great Aaron Rodgers has a very legitimate chance of mind-blowingly throwing 50 touchdowns with four interceptions. Patrick Mahomes' stat line is crazy. He might finish with five or less interceptions. He might finish with five or six interceptions himself. The efficiency these guys are displaying, their numbers are basically identical. And so when it comes to that, you have to use the word valuable. And I would give the MVP today to Aaron Rodgers. Um, he's definitely way more valuable to the Packers than Mahomes is to the Chiefs. Um, the Packers minus Aaron Rodgers with the league average quarterback four and twelve if you're lucky. Uh, Patrick Mahomes with the Chiefs minus uh, minus Patrick Mahomes with the league average quarterback. When I mean, we seen it with Alex Smith, they were nine and seven, ten and sixteen, and that team wasn't even as good as this current roster is. And uh, Andy Reid by himself is worth seven games, and a league average quarterback not turning the ball over with that weapon and that system probably gets another two. So they're a nine-win team with a league average quarterback, and we just seen it a couple years ago with Alex Smith. That being said, I would give the most valuable player award to Aaron Rodgers, offensive player of the year. Okay, that's you know that's a Patrick Mahomes, that's a Derrick Henry, who also I think is more valuable to the Titans than Mahomes is to the Chiefs. But right now we're going to take a quick little break and we're going to talk about next week's slate of games and just highlight some games I think are going to be pretty good next week. All righty, guys, and we are back. And now we're going to talk about a few games from the NFL slate of games this week. Uh, one of them is in Jack's Pack next segment So I won't give a winner for that game in this segment But we're going to talk about the game anyway We're going to start off with a big game In the AFC East Between the Pats and the Dolphins Now this is a huge game for a multitude of reasons uh, For the Dolphins Obviously you're trying to get in the playoffs You got a young guy in Tua This would be his first time seeing a guy like Belichick's Defense who he's going to have to compete with I mean I don't see Belichick going anywhere For the next 7 or 8 years So a guy he's going to have to compete with for the next seven or eight years in terms of defensive strategy, and Brian Flores, you know, his old prototype, his old teacher, his old mentor, and Bill Belichick. I'm sure he's trying to tell too, okay, when Belichick, you can see this look, Belichick's coming out in this, when you see this front, Belichick likes to do this, etc., etc., etc. So I'll be very interested to see how Tua handles a Belichickian defense. Uh, I was trying to get in the playoffs. Speaking on the pat side, same. Uh, it's slim, incredibly slim, but the Patriots are still trying to get into the playoffs. Uh, they need a few minor miracles at this point, especially with Baltimore beating Cleveland. But it is still possible. And even if you, you know, are not necessarily saying the Patriots are going to make the playoffs, which I don't think they will, I think the Denver losses and the Buffalo loss definitely sunk their ship. But... For guys like Cam Newton, you're trying to prove, hey, you can still play in this league. I mean, we saw Marcus Mariota come off the pine for Vegas and put up a great game with no preparation. It was already a Thursday night so the limited reps you may have gotten in practice. You didn't get any probably this week. Come off the bench cold and do what you did against a pretty talented Chargers defense was something to behold for a guy like Mariota. So Cam has been slumping ever since his bout with COVID. Uh, mechanically he looks off He looks like he's regressing back To some of his bad mechanics That let's his accuracy issues at Early in his career And he doesn't have the physical Game, running game To power through like he used to So With that being said It's a very interesting game for the Patriots um, Because we saw flashes of life With Nikhil Harry And we have a lot of other guys And Belichick just doesn't flat out Allow guys to quit it's just not something he does. He doesn't quit. He doesn't know what that means. And so that's an interesting game to watch because now the Pats are playing ruin somebody's season style. Like ruin the Dolphins season. Make sure they don't get in the playoffs. They have a chance to ruin the Jets season. Because the Jets do all of this for Trevor Lawrence and then beat the Patriots in week seventeen and end up with Justin Fields. That's a hell of a constellation prize, but it ain't Trevor Lawrence. Like that's like getting RG3 instead of Andrew Luck. Like it's a hell of a constellation prize. But it's not what you really wanted, it So that is something that Would be very interesting to see in a few weeks But that is a big game out in the AFC East Shifting to the NFC North, Bears and Vikings Both are 6 and 7, both are Reeling, both are Teetering in terms of coaching staff And quarterbacks, stuff like that, so this is a big game In terms of playoff implications Neither one's getting in the playoffs, let's just Start off with that, they're both 6 and 7 9 and 7 may sneak you in the back Door, depending on tiebreakers but I don't see either one of those teams doing that. But in terms of the actual competition and the game itself, it's huge in terms of implications for the draft. You may end up one spot in front of your rival or scheduling next season. So obviously you know they have a first place schedule, a fourth place schedule, a third place schedule, a second place schedule. Well, the winner of this game has an inside leg on, unfortunately, getting the second place schedule. So that can be huge for next season. Or if you're looking at a guy like Matt Nagy, who's thinking, I need a quarterback. The risky. I don't care what he did against Houston last week. Not the long-term answer. Obviously, Nick Foles is not the long-term answer. So, do he try to start losing games to move, possibly move up in the, with a Kyle Trask or a Mac Jones? Does he continue to win games and maybe end up packaging that pick, let's say, to the Jets for Sam Darnold? that uh, he can move it to the Eagles for Carson Wentz. There's plenty of opportunities for Matt Nagy and that Bears GM to make moves for Chicago. In terms of the Vikings, Zimmer has to keep winning. Dan Bailey basically lost him a game last week, otherwise he should be seven and six with a decent chance of getting in the playoffs. But they're only, each one of those teams, I believe are only a game behind the Cardinals. And if the Vikings and the Cardinals had the same record, I believe the Vikings would be in over Arizona. So, that, again, this is a huge game in terms of playoff and draft and even next season predictions. The biggest game of the week obviously is Chiefs and Saints. That is a humongous game because of a lot of different implications. I will not pick this game right this second due to the fact that it's in Jack's pack, but it is in a huge spot nonetheless. So when it comes down to the Chiefs and the Saints, this is all, some people's a good amount of people's Super Bowl prediction Chiefs out the AFC, Saints out the NFC I mean, the Saints are one of the three teams out the NFC People think can win it But along with the Packers and the Seahawks And on And the Rams, so four And the Chiefs are one of Three or four teams in the AFC You've got the Chiefs, you've got the Bills You've got the Steelers, they can get their act together That's pretty much it I mean, the Titans, if Ryan Tannehill gets hot one game uh, They don't really have a pass rush So, this is a huge game because of a possible Super Bowl preview, kind of. So with the Saints not playing Drew Brees, the Chiefs don't get to see the Saints offense on the field versus itself. I mean, Drew Brees may not play till week 17, only for a half, so then you'd have to depend on very limited film. And on top of that, any information and data that you gather from this game from their offense pretty much is useless because it'll be Taysom Hill, who doesn't even run anywhere similar to the same style of offense that Drew Brees runs. Maybe you can pick up on a pattern read or two, but there'll be nothing concrete to pull from the game in terms of when Taysom Hill's in the game. As for the Chiefs offense, your offense is healthy, so you're going to run your offense because you have to win this game because you have to stay in first place in order to keep the first round by away from Pittsburgh. As opposed to the Saints, you're trying to win the game, too, because you're trying to catch Green Bay. But speaking back to the Chiefs side, you're going to show your offense at least a little because you have to win the game. The Saints defense, despite last week, is no joke. They were the best defense in the league. They're still one of the best defenses in the league statistically, even with that performance they did against the Eagles. And so Patrick Mahomes is going to have to show some of the offense. So you'll have, I'll say the Saints play the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. The Saints are going to have a direct film from the game they played a month and a half before. It'll be like having a division film from early in the season. It's, just, it's very beneficial and a breakdown, especially with two weeks to break down that game amongst other games late in the season for the Saints if they meet the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. So that is a huge advantage. Obviously, New Orleans getting the Chiefs on the field so they can get their own film from it. It's pretty spectacular there. Uh, shifting to my most interesting game of the week, Cardinals and Eagles. I think this is going to be the game, and I was wrong about last week, but hey, debut game, I, I shouldn't have been so harsh to Jalen Hurts. I also thought the Saints would prepare better. I think this is going to be the game that shows you the difference between a running quarterback and a quarterback who can run. Kyla Murray is the second best athlete going right now at the quarterback position uh, in terms of just raw athleticism. Uh, Lamar Jackson is a freak of nature, so... Congrats Lamar Um, But Jalen Hurts is a Running quarterback Arizona should be smart Have contains on Have an amoeba mush rush Where you don't really pass You may send one guy to try to really get through Maybe two, but you have three guys Or two guys that's just pushing on the line Keeping their eyes on him Making sure he doesn't take off out the pocket And communicating, because crowds are empty Communicating loudly If he starts to take off and so that'll be something definitely to watch there. I think Arizona will win that game. Um, speaking on the Bears and Vikings, earlier, I don't know if I picked it, I would have the Vikings winning that game, but back to Eagles and Cardinals. Uh, I would have definitely have Arizona winning that game. Uh, not necessarily comfortably. The Eagles have a good front seven, banged up secondary. So Kyler should have a pretty big day. Uh, he should have a, a pretty nice day, to be honest. Uh, with the with DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, Kirk Cousins, Andy Isabella. The air race style system fairly isn't really gonna let Arizona run. So I don't expect a huge day out of Kenyon Drake running. Maybe receiving, but I expect he's at him running. But I expect the Cardinals to win, you know, from seven to ten points. So that is what I expect out of that game. I expect Dylan Hurts to come back to earth a little bit. I mean, they his really most of his passing yards came on two plays. One which should have been an offensive pass interference Because Zach Ertz was blocking down the field Before the ball was even thrown And another play With the back shoulder throw to Alshon Good throw, but he throws it so early If Marshawn Lattimore just turns around He intercepts it And so that is two big plays That really take a vast majority Of the Eagles yards Passing wise to Jalen Hurts So I expect the Cardinals To learn from the Saints' mistakes And to beat the Eagles another huge game but a cross-conference game big in both the conferences a rarity in football usually but especially this time of year because usually people go into division games time of year and stuff like that the browns and the giants are both playing for the same thing a playoff spot the browns are trying to get a wild card spot they have they lost their chance to catch Pittsburgh by losing to the ravens but they're trying to get a playoff spot And in this quest for a playoff spot, they have to win out, basically. They're going to have to win out at least two of the three in order to have a pretty good shot at the playoffs. So this is a game that they're really trying to win and really trying to compete for. As for the Giants, you're only a game back from the division lead. And I believe the tiebreaker goes to the Giants right this second. And so, if I'm the Giants, I am doing my absolute best to win this game. They can win a division. Another one of those teams with no incentive to lose um, same like Cleveland, no incentive to lose uh, the Browns could use another corner, maybe use another safety, another linebacker maybe but something you can grab in the middle of the first round after you make the playoffs the Giants have a quarterback, so there's really no incentive to lose and to have a top 7 pick, because they probably just trade back anyway or draft a receiver and there's a few of those good in this draft, so two teams fighting for the playoff spot, Giants for a division, Browns for a wild card spot uh, picking a winner there, I'd go Browns by about four 27-24 um, Or 28-24 Somewhere in there I would go with the Browns It should be a great game I don't think it'll be have as many fireworks as we saw Thursday or Monday But I expect a good game nonetheless Now up next We'll be shifting to Jack's Pack Which is our NFL betting session Alrighty guys, and we are back. Well, um, you know, thought we were turning a corner there when it came down to this. I really did. I mean, we went three and two two weeks ago. I'm like, yes, we're turning a corner on this. They're gonna get back to 500. We're gonna be right there. Finally, getting a grip on this season. I know it's towards the end, but hey, we we're gonna pick games in the playoffs. We're gonna pick every game in the playoffs. So I'm like, yes, we're right there. We've got a grip on this thing. We're going to... Yes! And then it fell apart again. I don't... We went 1-4 last week. Oh, it was miserable. Yeah, we went 1-4 last week. Definitely took a couple of bad beats there. But! But! We are 1-4 last week. We are now 11 games under 500. Well, guess what? There's 20 games left. So, hey... We go, you know, fourteen and five or sixteen and four these last few weeks. Plus the playoffs, we can end up at this thing five hundred. So let's make it happen. We're gonna start off with the Steelers and the Bengals. Bengals plus thirteen. I'm taking some chances this week to try and catch up. I'm gonna go Steelers in this game. Look, they've been embarrassed twice uh, these past couple of weeks. They've lost two in a row. After starting off undefeated, now they're down and now they can't win a game. Um, so Steelers minus 13, even against the Bengals. No Joe Burrow, I would go with Steelers there. It's gonna be Monday night football, I believe. So I expect a big show from the Steelers. Rams versus Jets, Jets plus 17. This felt like trap, trap, trappity, trap, trap, but we just saw the Jets lose by 37 to the Seahawks. So I'm gonna go with the Rams here, minus 17. Um, again, taking a couple chances here. I usually avoid big numbers like this, but I'm taking a few chances here trying to catch up. So Rams minus 17 over the Jets, take the Rams. Chiefs versus Saints when we talked about it earlier. Um, I don't see how the Saints stay close enough with Taysom Hill at quarterback. Maybe the Saints can score 24. I don't see, which means in order for this spread to be covered, the Chiefs have to be 27 or less. I don't see the Chiefs scoring anything less than 30, 32. I mean, we just saw them score 33 with four turnovers. I don't think the Saints are going to four, force four turnovers. That being said, I have the Chiefs winning by more than three points. Therefore, take the Chiefs. Ravens at Jags. Ravens are giving up 13 points. Doesn't matter. Take the Ravens. Look, the Jags are in full-on tank mode. They are one mistaken Jets win away from Trevor Lawrence being in Jacksonville, Florida and possibly changing their entire franchise around and definitely giving them a marquee player. That being said, the Jags are going to keep losing games. The Ravens obviously have to win every game right now to get in the playoffs. They have to dominate to try and possibly win point differential tiebreakers. And so they're going to try and put it on the Jags in this game early. I got the Ravens minus 13. And lastly, Bucks versus Falcons. Falcons plus six. Take the Falcons. Look, I think the Bucks gonna win the game, but the Falcons are weird. And usually, I don't bet the Falcons. I, nobody does. Their games turn out very weird, very odd. I don't think anybody should do it. However, this week I think they're gonna keep it close versus the Bucks. Look, the Bucks would have not covered the spread last week if Dan Bailey could kick. Well, Young Way Ku of the Falcons, he can kick. Therefore he kicked really well. Therefore I think those some of those missed field goals will end up as made field goals I think the Bucks will win. There's not about more than six So just a recap I would have Steelers over Bengals Rams over Jets Chiefs over Saints Ravens over Jags Falcons over Bucks Now up next we're going to shift to the NBA and what is becoming an absolutely loaded season already now I will be back after this quick break Well, well, well Welcome back We have some breaking news uh, Broke at 8.40am Drew Brees is back So throw out my entire segment The past two segments When talking about the Chiefs and the Saints game we have breaking news into the show. Wow, Drew Brees is back. We'd heard from Sean Payton that, you know, um, Taysom Hill was going to be the quarterback. We heard that Drew Brees had a ways to go. Another one of those Sean Payton fibs. Remember? He told us earlier in the season when Brees got hurt that, oh yeah, Jameis and Taysom is splitting reps. Like, it's fine. Jamison and Taysom are splitting reps. And then Adam Schefter reported, Rappaport reported, uh, we reported that. No, in fact, Taysom is getting all the reps in practice and there's no even packages for Jameis to be involved in the game. It's not a split situation. It's not Jameis starting. Taysom's going to run in. No, it's it's Taysom's show. And that ends up being the case. And so um, Tom Payton told us, told us that, you know, hey, you know, there's, you know, Drew is a ways to go. We, I, you know, don't worry about that. Turns out Drew Brees is back. The team believes he's fully healthy and he's gonna play this Sunday versus the Chiefs. Um, how does that feel? So now both teams in the event of a Super Bowl matchup will have film on each other from the legitimate offense and from you know both teams will have film. So now there's no advantage to playing early um usually the team that beats the team the first time doesn't win the second time because you feel a little more comfortable the team that lost really wants to get revenge plus it'll be in the super bowl stage um in terms of jack's pack saints plus three if you can get it at plus three still take the chiefs i don't think the saints are going to score enough that's just fact of life um Kamara, Kamara, michael thomas are all now big pieces to use in fantasy But I still would take the Chiefs by more than a field goal. Uh, If it was the usual New Orleans crowd of 72,000 crazies from New Orleans, then yeah, I would lean Saints plus three. But when it comes down to the Chiefs, I would take the Chiefs plus minus three here. And I am teetering on that bet, but I'm going to stick to it. I'm going to stick to it. Chiefs minus three. Take the Chiefs. Uh, Shifting to what the second was supposed to be about, which was the NBA. Um, Harden's drama is continuing. Uh, it is flat out just a mess at this point. Um, now he's expanded his list to more teams. Uh, Philadelphia is beginning to offer Ben Simmons or not offer Ben Simmons, but involving Ben Simmons in trade talks per reports. Daryl Moore came out an hour later and shut it all down. No, Ben's a part of our future, etc. etc. I'm sure Rich Paul probably gave Darren Moore a call like, what the bleak is up with this article. Um, so he denied Ben Simmons part of the trade deals. I look, James Harden looked like he didn't see a treadmill the whole time he was on break. It, it's just he's James Harden, man. Kendrick Perkins is staying in front of the office just starting to see him again as Robin. Like it is just not great. And this is a situation where he's not a free agent, so someone has to be willing to part with assets to get you, and then has to trust you. To not leave them in twelve months, that's a hard thing to do if I'm a GM. So I can definitely see that it could be a problem um, in terms of picking him up, in terms of trading for James Harden for a massive amount of capital, especially giving up a young superstar like the Rockets are wanting to get out of the Sixers with Ben Simmons. If you trade Ben Simmons couple ancillary other pieces and some picks for James Harden and James Harden realizes man I can't do it Embiid man I, I'm not gonna do it I'm gonna leave now you don't have Harden Embiid you don't have Harden Simmons none of the pieces and you're gonna go in the tank and now your pick's gonna be more valuable and they're all gonna reside in Houston along with Ben Simmons so that being said I don't think Philly should pull the trigger unless they have assurances from James Harden and not even assurances ink on paper from James Harden, stating that he will be a 76er long-term. Otherwise, I'm not giving up any young superstars if I'm the Sixers. I'm not giving up anything if I'm the Heat. He doesn't fit in the culture. Uh, The Bucks don't have any assets to give up. They traded a boatload of them for Drew Holiday. I mean, the Brooklyn Nets don't, their picks are gonna be useless, so there's no point picking up the Nets picks, and all their players are older in terms of Laverde and Allen and stuff like that. They're 27, 28, and looking to get paid soon. They may walk in free agency anyway. So it looks like if I'm a, from a management perspective, Harden, I go into the season with Harden. I, I, same thing with Philly, I go into the season with our teams. Now if neither one, if neither team works, we're looking for a shakeup. Then fine, make the deal, constantly make the deal at that point. But I'm not about to preemptively give up assets to the Rockets, and at least I want to see Embiid and Simmons under Doc Rivers. Now as we saw. Giannis re-signed with the Bucks Signed his 5-year, $228 million Supermax contract And the rhetoric around the league was that Hey, this is great for the NBA A small market team Keeps their superstar Is it? I mean Is it? The Bucks Played their bubble games at noon Literally in an impossible Slot to draw ratings It didn't matter who was. LeBron could have played at noon and those games weren't gonna rate very well. You played at noon on a weekday in a non-Christmas moment, so nobody was off. It was a regular weekday. Most people who are still employed through COVID, thankfully, were at work. They were not watching NBA basketball. It didn't matter who was on that time slot. Nobody was drawing ratings. And so the NBA sacrificed basically Giannis to that time slot Is it Great that he stayed in Milwaukee? I mean for Milwaukee sure But for the NBA you basically are saying Well, well One of our best seven players In the league are buried in Milwaukee and we're going to have to bury him On the early time slot because other teams Are more interesting and draw more money And more ratings For Milwaukee rejoice For a city like New Orleans Who's trying to keep Zion and Brandon Ingram rejoice but even Zion and Brandon Ingram on Christmas day get a 230 slot you got the noon slot on a playoff game that ain't great in terms of a brand in terms of marketing now do I see Giannis staying the full five years hell no I mean if Giannis is there past year three of this contract I will be flabbergasted but in terms of it being great for the league i don't see that at all um it again it helps the bucks but they can't get much better they gave away a boatload of assets three picks two swaps and two players for drew holiday probably with the contingency that they had bogdan Bogdanovich, who ended up not even assigning the sign and trade deal to go to the bucks so now you're holding the bag for all those assets for drew holiday and you don't really have any more assets to trade, and you really can't free agent anybody in because it's Milwaukee. I don't see how they get much better. Barring Chris Middleton takes a giant step forward, or Drew Holiday takes a giant step forward in the East. I don't see how they get much better. I don't see Giannis being there past two or three seasons from now. Uh, But we're gonna do a little preseason talk. just quick, quickly before we do some award predictions, um, some rookies are looking good. Some rookies are looking at eh. Obi Toppin is looking like oh I figured Obi Toppin would look. Uh, obviously you guys know I was high on Obi Toppin uh, during the draft process uh, I still am. I think he could be a, I know it's gonna sound negative, but Kuzma style player where he's gonna come into the NBA a lot closer to his ceiling than a Lamelo Ball, than a James Wiseman, than a. Oniaka than a uh, Denny from Washington. He's gonna come in closer to his ceiling than those guys because he's three or four years older than them He's had more collegiate experience than them. His body's already filled out way more than them besides pretty much Anthony Edwards uh, Another one of those young guys only 19 I believe he's gonna come in much closer to his ceiling as Obi Toppin will because again, his age, it's like Kuzma came in and was like one of the best rookies in his class. Like, oh my God, the Lakers found this gem in Kyle Kuzma and he hasn't gotten better. Now that could be from a lack of upper level talent or a lack of work ethic, but he's already closer to what he's gonna be in the NBA because he's already 22, 23, four years of college weights. He's pretty much what his body's gonna be, what his skill set's gonna be, that's him. So, and as I feel about Obi Toppin, James Wiseman looks pretty decent. Uh, LaMelo Ball is absurd in terms of passing vision, and now his shot's starting to fall a little more. Uh, He's shooting less than 40%. I believe he's shooting 36%, I believe, in the preseason. Not great, but he didn't shoot well in Australia. So we knew he had a shooting efficiency problem, but his shot felt a little better last game, and so hopefully we see improvements in that. Uh, Anthony Edwards has a major shooting problem He had it in college and then the pundits tried to explain it away as Oh, he shot so many uh, I, It's it's an efficiency number, it wasn't how many he made total It was, he, if he shot three, he was going to go 150 shot 33%, if he shot 300 He was going to shoot 33% The percentage doesn't matter in terms of Oh, he shot so many, so that's why he's struggling. Or maybe he has a shooting problem. That's that, That's also a thing. Now, with NBA shooting coaches, could he fix his shot? Of course. Could it just be preseason nerves? Of course. But it, it looks right now he has a shooting problem. Um... The Lakers look pretty good. LeBron looks a little out of shape. I don't expect the Lakers to be in peak physical condition for a while. Uh, When opening day kicks off on Tuesday, they would have played the NBA Finals 71 days prior. Yeah, I don't expect them to be in peak shape because you celebrated for a month and a half as well. You should have. So I expect it to be maybe February 1 before we really see, okay, that's LeBron. Okay, that's Anthony Davis Okay, that's Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo And the rest of those guys that had a long bubble stay uh, Because you didn't have a regular offseason You didn't have what would be normal for a regular offseason anywhere close to it And then you couldn't have the amount of runs you would normally have In training sessions, COVID concerns You don't want to pass COVID to your family, etc, etc And then the NBA had a bunch of rules on that kind of stuff too uh, so all in all, the preseason is, you know, it's preseason basketball. It's not really high intensity. All the Knicks and the Cavs had a great high intensity game with a bunch of young guys in it. So that was good for them experience-wise. Uh, Tom Thibodeau has the Knicks playing hard, uh, which is expected from Thibs. his issue with grinding players into the ground and offense. but defense and effort, that was going to be a given with a Tom Thibodeau program. So right now, we are going to do... A little MVP or NBA prediction when it comes down to who I think is going to win some awards in the NC. I'm sorry, in the NBA. For MVP, I have Luca, Luca Doncic of the Dallas Mavericks. I think that's the easiest award to predict, and it's not relatively close. He's he's gonna run away with this thing. I mean, they're already. The NBA, the NBA is already pushing the narrative A, the narrative is already out there he's going to win B, the NBA is pushing the narrative Already of him being one of the faces of the league Because on Christmas Day, not only is he playing He's playing LeBron So that is going to be the biggest rated game Every year when LeBron's on Christmas It doesn't matter when he plays 235, 730, 10 It, it doesn't matter And the fact that they put Luka against LeBron In a primetime slot After the football game, because the NFL is playing a game, Saints and Vikings, on Christmas Day, after the football game, that is a huge thing for Luka to have, so that's definitely showing faith from the NBA. Defensive Player of the Year, Anthony Davis. Look, he should have won last year. He's going to win it this year. You're yeah, not giving it to... who won it last year? Like, Rudy Gobert won it last year? I don't know. But Anthony Davis is going to be Defensive Player of the Year this season. I expect him to be a defensive stalwart, especially with Marcus Gasol having slow feet, Montres Harrell being short. They're going to have to rely on Anthony Davis to defend at a higher level and the block shots. Most improved player is always a pain in the butt because it's usually about somebody that comes out of nowhere. So I went back and forth between two guys, but ultimately I ended up going with Shea Gilgis Alexander of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now that Chris Paul is gone, that point guard production is gonna to have to be made up by somebody, and I believe Shay's gonna take it over and win most improved player for the NBA. Rookie of the year, I spoke about him earlier. Like I said, I'm super high on him, but he might cooze us, and that is Obi Toppin. Look, he's long, he's rangy, he's in New York, and if his stat line is decent, And the Knicks win a few more games. He's going to win rookie of the year. Look, the media is dying for the Knicks to be good, like dying for the Knicks to be good. That's why they love LeBron Los Angeles. They love Miami being good. They love Boston being good. The only team they're missing from the lore of the NBA is the Knicks in terms of media market. Dying for the Knicks to be a good basketball team and some OB Obi Toppin's next stats are close to let's say a James Wiseman LaMelo ball, etc. He's gonna win rookie of the year because it's just how the NBA works Sixth man of the year is always a pain because you don't know who's gonna be really coming off the bench for certain teams at a certain point but I'm going to go, and I coin flip again this one. My other choice for rookie of the year was going to be LaMelo Ball for storyline and headline purposes. For 6 of the year, I coin flip between, it's going to sound crazy, but Josh Hart and Montres Harrell winning it again. And I ultimately decided to go with Montres Harrell winning it again because I'm not sure how many minutes Josh Hart's going to get in Stan Van Gundy's system. Now, ask asked me in a month when I can see how he's being used by Stan Van Gundy. Then I can give you a side on Josh. I might flip to Josh Hart, but I would go Montrez Hill right this second. His free agency didn't go well. Didn't go well at all uh, in terms of he went sixth man of the year for that Clippers team. And I'm sure he thought that I'm going to parlay this right into a $20 million a year contract or $25 million a year contract. And he got nine and a half on a short deal. So I know he's going to be motivated to get back into the market and to show that, hey, I'm legit. As an NBA big in this league. And Coach of the Year, I felt was a little easy, uh, Doc Rivers. So um, Tyron Lue was a, a person that crossed in my brain for a second, but I felt that, you know, the Clippers had no problem in the regular season. Their issue was the postseason. And you can't win the Coach of the Year in the postseason. So I went Doc Rivers. If Embiid and Simmons or Harden and Embiid Or whoever's playing for the Sixers Come out, play tough, play scrappy Make the second seed in the East Third seed in the East Doc's probably going to get it The NBA likes Doc Rivers The media like Doc Rivers So they're probably going to go with Doc Rivers on that But up next, we're going to shift to the NCAA And talk about a humongous weekend Starting tonight in the NCAA Alrighty guys and we are back and Now we're going to talk about a humongous weekend In college football Obviously we had early signing day During the past week I believe it was Wednesday Memory serves me correctly Um, The cream of the crop rises to the top as always Alabama was 1 Georgia was 2 LSU finished I believe 4 Clemson was up there USC had a pretty decent class Ohio State I believe it was two or three I mean You saw the top talent Go to the top schools I don't know why collegiate athletics Are trying to spread the talent It's not going to happen As long as it's centered The way it's centered right now You have 85 scholarships So I can get the number one running back Every single year And tell them look we'll register to you your freshman year You'll play a little bit your sophomore year You'll play a lot your junior year You can go to the pros I can do that every year and keep rolling in talent because i can just get i can get the number one quarterback and get the number one receiver and keep stacking talent because i don't have 85 scholarships now uh colin cowherd brought up a point um that reduced it to 70. um i would say that's a good idea power five only i wouldn't do it across the board because like joe clatt responded that takes he didn't say it specifically but that would take 15 scholarships away from kids Uh, And that's something he said he'd never do Which is advocate for less opportunity For students and kids to get um, Collegiate educations Because not everybody Even at Alabama or Clemson or LSU or USC Or Michigan or Ohio State is going pro So if that kid never gets off the bench And he's a hell of a practice player For four years and has a scholarship He's gone to school for free He's played football He can say he's part of a Michigan football alum And he'll he'll have a free education So That's their argument. Um, But I say if you were to do 85 to 70, I would say go to 75. Okay, 70. 70 scholarships. Power five only, though. So, you know, Coastal Carolina can start pulling some back end three guys, three star guys and stuff like that. It'll give... Uh, smaller non-Power 5 FBS programs are shot at some decent players because not everybody is going to go pile in and then possibly transfer around. Um, They also passed the one-time transfer rule which is going to create holy hell. So for instance, LSU um, has about five scholarships left and they were looking at offensive linemen. Well, if I can get a free transfer, let's say there's a really good offensive lineman at Coastal Carolina, for instance, I'm not sure, you know, just an example, Panera Bread State, but he can't transfer up because you have the city year, so he's just going to continue playing football at Panera Bread State, now he can transfer, and come play at LSU, jump his draft stock up, and LSU fills the offensive lineman, now he's on scholarship, so... This could be a big thing for a lot of different schools with immediate needs They can get one-time FBS transfers to fill those needs One-time FCS transfers Like at a North Dakota State, at an Eastern Kentucky, at an Eastern Washington At a Montana who can play Now they can one-time transfer to the FBS level Fill a need for a big-time school Fill a need for even a non-Power 5 school Improve their draft stock, get on the national radar and all that stuff But that is huge in terms of on the field right now, tonight, Pac-12 title game between what was supposed to be USC and Washington, but due to COVID, uh, the Pac-12 wasted no time. They said, Washington, sorry. Thanks for coming. Hope you have a good time in your bowl game, whatever that may be. They replaced Washington with Oregon. And so USC will play Oregon for the Pac-12 title game. Neither one's going to the playoff, so it appears. So the winner gets the automatic Rose Bowl bid for the Pac-12. Um USC's all over the map. All the games are exciting. I would lean USC by field goal there. Um, maybe by a field goal. I would go USC sometime though, whoever gets the, probably whoever gets the ball last is gonna win. USC tends to get the ball last somehow, some way. So USC by a field goal. The Big Ten championship between Ohio State and Northwestern was almost a watered-down mess, but the Big Ten, like I spoke about a couple weeks ago, changed their rules, allowing Ohio State to compete. And so Ohio State will play Northwestern. This is going to get bad-ugly. Saturday at 11 o'clock, I expect, or Saturday at noon Eastern, I expect by Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern for us to be saying, okay, so which seed is Ohio State going to be in the playoff? Because it's probably going to be over by that point. Uh, Ohio State by two or three touchdowns. And that's Luke probably being generous to Northwestern. But I have respect for the head coach over there, Pat Fitzgerald. And so uh, I'm going to go Ohio State by two or three touchdowns. The SEC championship between the monstrosity known as Alabama and a Florida team reeling after, after a heartbreaking and crushing loss to LSU. Uh, Dan Mullen is still petitioning for a two-loss team to be in the playoff. He was petitioning before they play LSU. He's petitioning now. Saying, he was asked about it. He's saying, let it talk to me after we beat Alabama. That's bulletin board material. But um, regardless of that, Alabama by about 30. Um, LSU with a bunch of freshmen and sophomores, with a freshman making his first start, scored 30 something points on you. Bama's gonna score about 60 points on you. So, yeah, Bama by about 24 points, if I had to guess. By about 24. ACC championship and the most competitive game of the day probably the most competitive game arguably of the season Clemson 9-1 undefeated Notre Dame The only loss Clemson has is to Notre Dame But it was without Trevor Lawrence they had DJ Ugalagale In his second start under center as a freshman they had some miscommunications. They still scored a decent amount of points, but the offense wasn't as crisp. They had a fumble six with Travis Etienne, not really on the mesh point with DJ. And so this is a huge game for the playoff. In terms of what it could mean, Clemson loses. Close. Let's say three points. Last second field goal, Notre Dame walks it off. What does a two-loss Clemson team Which the committee could easily say It's really a one-loss team Because the first loss was to a Notre Dame Program without their starting quarterback And Trevor Lawrence had COVID And, you know, last-minute preparations All that stuff So the committee could easily say Okay, one-loss team to an undefeated team Cool Clearly they have the best player in the country And Trevor Lawrence is the number one draft pick You know, it would be better if Clemson was in the playoff because a and is sitting there like we legitimately only have one loss that one loss was to Alabama who crushes everybody that's the only team we've lost to we should have a case it'll be very interesting to see if A&M is a one-loss team and Clemson loses to Notre Dame and now officially it's a two-loss team who gets the fourth playoff spot another interesting piece is what if Florida beats Alabama do you put a two-loss SEC champion along with a one-loss non-champion? Then there's Ohio State with the championship. What if Clemson beats Notre Dame? Now, Clemson is a one-loss champion, they're in. Ohio is an undefeated champion, they're in. Now you've got two spots with four teams. Notre Dame only has one loss to Clemson with Trevor Lawrence. Florida would have two losses, but they would have beaten Alabama. Alabama wouldn't have a championship, but they only have one loss in the SEC championship game and a would only have one loss with no title same resume in theory as Notre Dame so that would be a hell of a situation for the committee to try and figure out I wouldn't want to be involved uh, in terms of picks for the ACC championship game I'm going to go with the hell raising solution even though I think it's going to happen Clemson by about 7 to 10 which would raise a lot of questions in terms of how legit is Notre Dame could Notre Dame make the playoff especially Florida beats Bama, now everything's going to go haywire. Um, So that'll be very interesting to watch. But just a little college football playoff news in general, the expectation is to go to eight. The reason it's not football related, the reason is for money. Because so many teams lost so much money due to COVID, whether that be small programs, can't go get a million dollars a game to go play Alabama or LSU or whatever, uh, whether that be schools losing money because of ticket value, ticket revenue, and stuff like that, they're going to go to 8 for the playoff because the playoff games, regardless of the highest rated games, and they make a lot of money. So if you can charge more networks for more playoff games, boom, same principle with the NFL, that's more revenue, divided back out amongst the schools, we're going to see 18 playoff, which I think is the perfect number. Obviously, with it being unofficial and not even really confirmed anywhere, Um, We have no sense of format and concept I explained what I would do in my last episode You guys definitely check that out I explained how I would set up an 18 playoff But the expectation is probably next season We're going to get an 18 playoff in college football So that would give a team like undefeated Cincinnati Who I believe is the ninth team right now The committee would probably slide them in Put them at 8 Not even get beat by, by about 50 But they would be in uh, Coastal Carolina, who would be right behind Cincinnati, may sneak in the back door as well, depending on the resumes and schedules. Uh, this year, it would be what? Three SEC schools, three or four AC schools, two ACCs, one Big Ten, the Pac 12 champion to probably get in, and then the at large team, Coastal or Cincinnati. So that would be huge for college football to have an 18 playoff. It's probably going to happen, like I said, for money reasons and not necessarily football ones. But up next, we're going to shift to Best for Last, which will be talking about Kobe Bean Bryant on the third anniversary of his jersey retirement. All righty, guys, and welcome back in for Best for Last, which would be a discussion or just a quick mention and talk about um, Kobe Bean Bryant on the third anniversary of his jersey retirement sorry his jersey's retirement for the los angeles lakers when they retired eight and 24 and you know he gave that impassioned uh speech to his kids about you know this is the dream it's not about the result it's about the journey it's about what you do on that journey that people are going to remember like yes people are going to see the jerseys in the rafters and they're going to remember the kid that got drafted and traded on draft night for vlade divak But what people are going to remember the most about Kobe is what happened in between all the great moments from the lob to Shaq to beating the Boston Celtics to the 81 point game to the number switch to almost leaving going to Chicago to getting that championship with Paul Gasol and then getting one more than Kobe and then scoring 60 in his last game and then hitting the shot over D Wade and then and then, and then, and then that's what people are going to remember about Kobe um, the undying work ethic, the unrelenting passion to be great, um I just watched a clip actually of when they asked him post game in an interview, mind you that he was answering questions in multiple languages, he would answer in English he would answer in Spanish, and he answered in Italian one time as well because he grew up in Italy for part of his life um in a situation where he, they asked him a question in English, um, which number would you prefer? Like, which which person did you prefer, eight or twenty-four? And in a very Kobe answer, he answered basically twenty-four because twenty-four was harder to do physically. Um, he had to muscle through the second half of his career. He talked about playing the Celtics with a bone fragment in his foot and how that was killing him the whole series. Uh, he had to really, like he said, muscle through the second half of his career, bone on bone at a certain point, putting on a lot of muscle, basically trying to train his body to even get out of bed in the morning to get him to the court to perform. And so he said he's forced to choose 24. And if that's not the most Kobe answer ever. I don't know it is I mean. I mean, when he retired, they divided his career in half. So from 96 to 5 and then 16, or whatever, but the 10 seasons of the two numbers, both of them are guaranteed first lock Hall of Famers with 99.8 and 99.6 Hall of Fame probability. Um, points are pretty much even. Eight has three rings, 24 has two. The MVP, the, I mean, it's just it's a, a marvel at what he did in his career and it's been uh three years since his jersey was jerseys were retired by the los angeles lakers 8 and 24 um but that wraps up our show for today um i hope you guys enjoyed it i definitely did we may have broken our record for the longest show again i told you it was a jam-packed one I hope you guys definitely enjoyed it. You know, got in a game of 2K, played a little Madden, did a jog or something to this podcast. I hope it was enjoyable for you. Hope you learned a lot. Remember, you can find it at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iTunes. Tell your friends. Follow Twitter's page at JTOM Sports and turn on those post notifications so you always know when news is happening around the sporting world. But this is your host, Justin Jackson, signing out.